Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. And so imagine you are the one that shows up when you say you're going to, you pick up your phone and they call you, but you, then you also send them a handwritten thank you note, thanking them for the opportunity to make an offer on their house. Yep. When the time is right, like you spoke to earlier, who are they going to think of, right? Yeah. Like that's just, totally. it's a no brainer. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing. You're doing this, so rock on. You're the best, and I love you for it. Thank you. Today, I have someone on the show who is an experienced real estate investor. He is also a tech guy who has created some very cool software for our industry, and he is in a very unique position of kind of wiping the slate clean with his business in terms of real estate and starting over. So if you've ever wondered, you know, and this question gets asked a lot on various shows, including this one, if you could start all over again, what would you do? Well, we're getting that answered by someone who is experienced and highly successful, who is kind of starting over. So we're going to get that answered for us. And normally I introduce the uh, the guest right now and kind of, you know, read their bio or, or introduce them uh, in, a, in a more formal way. But I'm not going to do that this time. Uh, Danny and I are going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to let him introduce himself, which is kind of fun and different. So uh, I will not waste any more time. Let's dive right into the interview and talk to Danny Johnson. All right, guys, I have uh, Danny Johnson on the call with me on the show. Um, we're going to do this a little different. I normally, uh, as you all know, who listen to the show, I, I do a bio uh, reading basically for the guests before they come on. But in this case, uh, we're good friends, and we we <laughs> we did things a little differently than normal. Uh, normally, I have some people who help me with the show, and they request bios and all this stuff, and it's all kind of done for me in the background. Uh, but in this case, because Danny and I know each other, we just sort of texted each other like, "Hey, do you want to be on the show?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's great." So we all procedure got thrown out the window, and I have uh, nothing for Danny, but that's okay because I've known him for a long time. Uh, but I'm going to let Danny do his own intro. In, in the third person, uh, because I was just on his show, and uh, and he made me do it. It was kind of funny. So I'm going to have Danny uh, do his own bio in the third person as if he's talking about himself, and that way you can learn a little bit more about his background and who he is. So Danny, go ahead and take it away. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, now I'm regretting having you do that now, now that I have to do it myself. You did such an amazing job of it. All right, so Danny Johnson, that, that awesome guy that he is, I hear he's started, awesome. Started flipping houses back in 2003, uh, made it through the crash of uh, 08, and started uh, building out a team roughly five years ago and scaled the business up a little bit. And at the same time was, was having the time to get into some of the software. As a, as a software developer by trade before flipping houses, Danny created uh, real estate investor websites. Uh, called Lead Propeller. So if you've heard of Lead Propeller, Danny started those. 
And more recently, he's released a Flip Pilot 2.0, which is a software system to turn more leads into deals for real estate investors and is the host of the ever popular Flipping Junkie podcast and Flipping Junkie blog. That was awesome. You did a really good job, actually. It's hard to use your own name in a sentence when you're talking, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah, it is really weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get that Danny guy in the show. He sounds fantastic. But until then, I'll, I'll talk to you, I guess. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so obviously, the Flipping Junkie podcast, uh, I was just on it. I mentioned it. You've been doing that for a long time. Great, great, super successful show. And you have that tech background as well as, as flipping houses. So uh, it's very natural that you would have you create products for for house uh, flippers and, and wholesalers and investors. So um, I am a longtime customer of yours. Uh, we use Lead Propeller. We have for years. Uh, in fact, in the, on this show, if you've listened to the show for many years, you know that uh, I also promote Lead Propeller. I, I, I believe in it. I've used it and I love it. Um, so I, I know that you, you create great products. Um, so we'll talk about those a little bit too. So as far as like uh, the house flipping side of it, is what's happening on that front with you at this point? What's happening on that front with me is is a, sort of a, a, a change, a big change, really. And you know, I spoke about it on my podcast uh, probably about a month ago. I think it was very hard for me to do, but you know, I talk about my divorce that I that I had. You know, it was interesting getting vulnerable like that and and speaking about those things. But I think it's helped with some of the healing and and some of that. But what that really did was it made me look at what I was what I was doing you know a lot of introspection happens I yeah think, after yeah. during a divorce and you know the business was was grown up the house flipping business had had scaled up and we grew and at one point we had even tried to you know do a hundred deals a year and you know that didn't happen I think reached 60 something or something like that and that wasn't a problem but I had removed myself quite a bit from from the business over the last several years yep. to focus on the software and, you know, a part of me really missed that. And I had a, a lot of identity tied up in being the active house flipper. So yeah. having the company, you know, operate with, without me so much was, was really weird. And it was really difficult to kind of process and, and deal with. So, you know, with this divorce happening, I was meeting with my mentor from the house flipping business when I got into the business for, for coffee. And, you know, he was asking me, well, what are you going to do now? Like, what is, what's the plan? It's like, well, I have software, you know, I have all of that going. And, and I hadn't really given this any thought, but when he asked me, he goes, so do you think you'll get back into the house flipping like you personally, you yeah. know? And, and I hadn't really given it any thought, but I just felt this feeling of like, yeah, you know, that, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I think I will. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a little bit more time here and uh, you know, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely something that I'm wanting to do. And, and it gave me the opportunity to really look at what I wanted that business to look like, right? Yeah. I've been through it. I've been through doing everything on my own or with one partner and, you know, getting to the point of, you know, sort of overwhelm of wearing all the hats and doing a lot of deals, you know, and just being tired of some of the pieces of those, you know, of the job you yeah. know, of, of uh, marketing, taking calls and, you know, then scaling and growing the team. So I've, I've been through, and I've known a lot of people like you, Mike, you know, through the mastermind and through my flipping junkie and have seen successful businesses grown and scaled. And, uh, and so I've seen and, and been a part of what those things look like. So it's been interesting this time around because I get to say, okay, well, how do I want it to be? I've, I've experienced them yeah. in the different ways. And, you know, the plan right now is to, to really just keep it simple and, and keep it small. Um, I do plan on hiring 
you know, one or two people, you know, over maybe the next year, but I'm starting again. And the focus is more in long-term right now for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you have gotten back, you're getting back into the flipping, the active flipping side of it. Cool. That's good. Yeah. Because I mean, you're great at it. And I I think that rush of excitement that you had when, when your mentor asked you if you were going to get back into it, that's almost like an indication, right? That's sort of confirmation that that's really what you want, you know? And it's funny that you didn't have a lot of time to think about it. It was like, that was your gut reaction to it. So I think that's awesome. And I think the, uh, the house flipping world is better for having you in it. Um, but you do have, you do have, software that you that you do so i want to talk about that a little bit because you you launched uh, a product called flip pilot which is and jump in at any point if i say something that's incorrect but flip pilot is a crm for house flippers correct yeah you can call it that yeah i mean it's okay. it's basically i see it more as a, a like a, a, a deal pipeline okay software but i mean you know sort of the same sort of thing but not crm in this you know in the sense that it's not just like a list of contacts like it's right. not really yeah, that's fair. You're right. It, you it handles a lot more of that of that whole the whole funnel going in as opposed to just being a repository for names and, and numbers. I get that. Um, so let's talk about that. When when did you originally launch it? And let's let's talk about how that's gone. You know, to this point, we'll obviously bring it to current day. But why 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 do it to begin with? Let's just start there, right? Why, why even why <laughs> that do takes that? You pretty far back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know it's going a little bit back, but I mean, we can be relatively brief. But like, what what was your what was your inspiration for even creating that software? Okay, the inspiration, yeah, because I can get real wordy. We could spend forever and talking. But, you know, being a software developer before getting into the house flipping, I'd always wanted to create software to help out with the business, right? And so that started with an application that was run on a laptop. And so I would have to have that laptop with me. If it crashed and I lost everything, I would lose everything, right? Like yeah. it was. And so as, you know, technology and the internet progressed and I learned different ways of doing things, I, I started creating a web-based platform and I did that and I actually launched that, but, but the way it was built, I was concerned wouldn't be able to scale. And so I learned a lot about that. I learned what it was like to have a product built out that did a lot of things, but wasn't really built in a way that was going to scale very nice, you know, and I was worried that people would get in enough people and it would just crash, like it would have a problem. Yeah. And so started redeveloping that. Now this is a span of like, what, like, 10 years or more, yeah. you know, like this is a good amount of time. Yeah. I was there so in the early I, years too, right? With, with, uh, REI mobile and yeah. Right. Right. Yep. And so, and there's still people that just absolutely love that, but, but it needs to, it, it's not scalable. So, yeah. you know, but, but we've learned so much from it. And, you know, I set out to, when I was a part of the mastermind, I, I, I was setting out to create this system, everything for everybody, you know, flip pilot. And it was, you know, had the phone in, the phone system integrated into it. Like we built all that out where you get the phone numbers in it and make calls, receive calls, do all this kind of stuff. And this, this platform did everything. But the problem was, you know, we launched it and we had waited till we built out everything and then launched it and then found out that there were so many issues because it was just doing so many things. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of hard to use, a little bit clunky. And so that was a huge disappointment. And that was, that, that was really hard. That was one of those things that, that just like takes a lot of, uh, a lot of introspection too. And just saying, you know, I was, I figured I made a lot of assumptions, right. About knowing what people wanted needed yeah. and that it would do all these things. Cause like, I would want that for my own business. Yeah. And so execution kind of suffered and uh, made the tough decision after like over a million dollars to build that, to scrap it wow. because I wasn't happy with it. A little bit too much of a perfectionist in that case, in that sense. Yeah. So that was a big learning experience and, and I'm glad that we did it because it made us go back to the drawing board and think, okay, well, what is the, what is the value proposition? What is the, you know, I had a good friend, Patrick, who, who kind of had 
tried to tell me these things before, but I wasn't listening because it was like, well, I'm the customer right now. And, and I started listening to him after this, this failure really with the first one. Yeah. And it was like, what, what is it for? Like, what is it for? And what's the main thing? And just make it do that. Make it embarrassingly simple and release it to validate your assumptions. Like don't make a billion assumptions and then have like, yeah. have the market tell you this is all wrong. So we did that. You know, we did that back last October, I think. And so we've had dozens of teams, you know, across the country actually paying for beta to be in there and validating that assumption and more assumptions and building onto it. And we finally got to the point where this is like an awesome piece of software that's been validated, been tested. Yeah. And we just launched it. And the, the purpose behind the software has it's sort of morphed with all of that. Because before we were kind of catering to a lot of the big players, a lot of the big teams, a lot of the guys that have multiple markets, all that kind of thing. And looking at changing my own business yeah, and saying, I don't want to be a big team. I just don't. It's not my thing. Yep. And, you know, I can have a smaller team. So I wanted to, to cater it to that, tailor it to, you know, newer investors, investors with smaller teams. And, and that's what we've done because we wanted to keep it very simple. Yeah. You know, when you get into the bigger companies, bigger teams, they have different demands. They have different special needs that are very customized. And it makes it very hard because you're just constantly adding all kinds of stuff. So it was really about being simple and something that somebody can use and benefit from and looking at what is it that I need for my small company, housewoman company to be successful. How is it truly going to help me instead of just being something that's there yeah. because it was cool to build. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the question. So, you know, went to the drawing board on, on what are we, why, why would I want to use this in the first place? Right. And that's an interesting metaphor. You said in the first iteration, you were trying to be everything to everybody and do everything. It's a, it's a interesting kind of a metaphor for real estate, right? People who are starting out, especially in real estate, and they try to do everything. I'm going to be a landlord. I'm going to be a flipper. I'm going to be a wholesaler. I'm going to buy notes. I'm going to lend money. I'm going to do all these things. Like it's, it, it ends up being overwhelming and usually it's hard to, to do it all super well. So the software now, the way it, the way it is, what are the key features? What 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 is, um, what is it that you kept in the software that you're that you're doing really really well? Yeah, and, and if you don't mind, if I'd like to, so that it's not so much about like just the software and the features sure. and and things like that. I'd like to kind of go back to to more of the answer of the why why I did do it the way. Like what what yeah. do we need? Why do I need the software? Perfect. And that's kind of crystallized as I've I've looked at, you know, what I've gone through and what I've done. And so you know, flipping junkie blog started, I think it was around 2010, right? So it was just Melissa and I were still just running the business ourselves. And, you know, I just got my pilot's license. And so my business suffered, you know, because it was us doing everything. So when I stopped doing stuff to go get my pilot's license, playing semi-retired, yeah, business suffered and I needed to, to get motivation to build it back up. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to show people how I'm doing this. Because right now at the time, and I think even now probably, there were two types of blogs. There was the blog that would show you, you know, today's demo day, tomorrow's painting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but they weren't showing you how they were getting the deals. Yeah. Right. Or the numbers, I mean, maybe the numbers, but it was just more about the rehab. Then there were other ones that were like, here's how you drive for dollars or here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. But they weren't showing the deals they were doing. Yeah. So I said, I can be held accountable by posting my plan, you know? And so every week for 34 weeks, I said, here's the marketing I did this week. Here's every single lead that came in, why they were selling, how much they were asking, what I figured it was worth, 
and whether I went to go look at it. So it was really cool yeah. to document and then show everybody, you know, and the big thing everybody would tell me, you know, like Bill was saying, like, it showed me that it was all a numbers game. Yep. Like you, you, you kept, you know, if it wasn't a deal, you'd say no next one. Like you didn't say, how can I make this be yeah. creative and turn this into a deal? You didn't waste your time with that. You just said, give me another lead. Yeah. Right. And I've always thought that was so cool. Right. So many people through that, you know, flipping houses exposed became a book. I put, put all those stuff into a book flipping houses exposed. Yep. But you know, I thought it was always so cool that people would say, Oh, I learned that it was a numbers game. It helped me get into this business because of that. But as I've been looking at, you know, doing this business again, I've, I've realized like maybe that wasn't so cool. Like, it, like I did 495 leads during that 34 weeks. Right. Yeah. And I think out of that, there was 11 deals and it's like, that's horrible. Yeah. That's absolutely horrible. So why, right? Like dig into why, why did, because, you know, as we grew our team, you know, there were times we get to like one out of seven or one out of even five or four, sometimes leads became a deal. Yeah you know, which would have multiplied the number of deals I did by, by five or so or more. Yeah. Right. So instead of 11, maybe like 60 deals could have come from the same amount of leads or better. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so it's like looking at, okay, well, what was the difference between then and then what we were doing before? And it wasn't just the team, the team definitely useful because there's a lot going on when you're doing that many deals. You know, I think that that's absolutely necessary, but from a perspective of me starting again and not wanting to do that many deals, how can I make sure that I don't do that again? Right? Like, how can I not yeah. kill myself generating more and more leads thinking that's all it's about? Yeah. More leads. More, I need more leads, more leads, more leads. You know, yep. I'm not doing enough deals because I don't have enough leads. There's some, some, some of that is true, but it's not all of it. Right. There's other pieces. And, uh, and so looking at that, it's, it became an issue of, okay, the follow-up, there was no follow-up. Like maybe I would follow up once or something, but I was using the, the software only allowed me to either do like, you know, a long-term follow-up, which I was only doing, I think if I put, if I had made an offer on the property, there's a lot that I wasn't making offers on. Yeah. So anyway, the flip pilot that we built was to address those issues. Like why the lead to deal conversion rate was so low to address those, because even as a new investor, and I see myself as that starting over again, I, I want to go in with, with beginner's mind. I don't want to go in thinking I know everything I want. I want to learn afresh. Yeah. Like, you know, times have changed a little bit. You know, looking at it that way, the goal for me is to put leads into Flippilot, right? That's the focus. And then take and, and measure how many of these leads are turning into deals and how can I increase that number? How can yeah. I increase that lead to deal ratio, conversion ratio? And the biggest piece of that is with the follow-ups, right? Like having a system to follow up. So as I'm not generating as many leads as I used to, every one of those leads is so super valuable. It always was. Yeah. But I didn't treat it like it was. Yeah. Yeah. No. So now it's like every, every lead that comes in, if I think that they're not motivated or, you know, they're asking too much, you know, that's still going to go into a follow-up and a reminder. And that system is going to keep me accountable to keep following up and then even automate some of that for me so that it's in the background. I can keep working the current leads I've got, which stay in the pipeline. Yeah. So if you've ever used Trello, this is kind of what it, it's like. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was meant to, to mimic sort of the whiteboard, right? Everybody's got in their office of the deals that they're doing. Yeah. And that's like, it's a visual representation. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that a lot of people, man, it's a, it's a beginner's mistake a lot of times where, because they don't have a lot of leads, they take every lead and they try to force it to be something when it's not. And a lot of times it ends up being obviously a huge mistake because they, uh, they overestimate the ARV, they underestimate the rehab and they get themselves in trouble. But a lot of times it's not that the lead 
is a is necessarily a it's a bad lead or you have to be creative a lot of times it's not the right time for them you know they they fit the criteria like they they went into your funnel for a reason but it's not the right time and Mm -hmm. the answer isn't force this into a deal right now usually the answer is keep them in the pipe and keep reaching out and, and those touch points until it's the right time for them, because there's a good chance it will eventually be the right time for them. And I 100% agree. One of the hardest things to do well, in my opinion, in this industry is follow up because people get leads and they just turn and burn. I call them or, you know, they called me. I try to talk them into letting me come out and, and they wouldn't let me. It's And then so I just boom, you move on to the next one. And that's fine today. But all of those leads that you, by the way, probably spent money to get, or at least a lot of time, there, there is a value to them. It just isn't, the value isn't going to be realized today. The value might be realized in six months or two years, but that, that follow-up, and there's a reason why people say that, you know, the gold is usually in the database or the, the you know, the money is in the follow-up because you can only get so many percentage of your leads are going to turn into deals today. But that doesn't mean that those are bad leads, you know. So a lot of people throw those things away or just, you know, they don't have a CRM or they don't have any way to follow up. And, you know, it ends up in a spreadsheet or something and they never look at it again. So that's huge. That's a huge thing. Yeah. And speaking of, of putting in a spreadsheet or a document and never looking at it again, you know, that's what I did do for a long, long time. I would have that st- even a stack of like sticky notes of important follow ups that would never get addressed. And at some point I'd be like, oh, it's been so long. So throw those away. Yeah. Or maybe I'll call one. They'll reject me again. Yeah. And I'll say, well, that felt horrible. Let me get yep. rid of that. Yep. And so, you know, there's a lot of psychology there too, I think. And so when you can throw in automation to handle a lot of that for you so that you're only hearing from when they're reaching back out to you, responding to your automated follow-up. Yeah. And we, we made it a point to do a lot of the choice of manual and automated too, because I think a lot of it requires a, a, a good touch of manual, you know, calling, physically calling them yeah. and doing that kind of thing. But, um, you know, speaking of having things in documents, never looking at it again, yeah, that's where the rest of this comes into play, right? Lead to deal conversion ratio. So again, I'm new in the business again, right? And I'm not generating many leads. So I need to make sure that I can do what I can. And follow-up is a big, big piece of that, right? It's not the right time. And I love that you pointed that out because it's true. The majority of people are not going to sell right now. Yeah. They might be at a point where they're willing to call you and find out. Mm-hmm. But that could be a year from now, three months from now, two, five years. Who knows? Yep. I bought some after eight years of follow-up before. Yep. And um, and like you said, it, it's worth something. Every single one of those leads has the potential to be a deal that is worth thousands of dollars. I mean, yep. you know, if that's how you, I, I want to make sure I'm always looking at every lead. This has a, this could be that forty thousand dollar wholesale deal. I have no idea. Yep. You know, but I'm going to treat it like that because. It could be, and, and who knows which ones will be those. So the follow-up is very important. But the other side of that is the other pieces of your machine, and that's how I'm looking at this as I'm building this again. This is my machine, right? Yeah. Even if it's just me right now, it's my machine, and I'm looking at making sure that my machine is operating as well as it can be, meaning that I have workflows and processes for everything because that's what sets you apart from someone that's just out there shooting from the hip. Yep. I did that for years. It worked. But it killed me, and I could have made so much more and had a better lifestyle. Yeah, had yeah. I done it this way now. So it's yep. the 
you know, and, and I think a lot of us, I, I did get into building out processes when I got into the business the first time. I read E-Myth. I listened to Than Merrill and, and Fortune Builders mm-hmm. about building out systems, making it like McDonald's and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I didn't use them because they were in some documents somewhere, like half-assed done anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and I have a book right here, actually, because, you know, this this book, Work the System, I don't know if you've ever read that. I have not, actually. Yeah, uh, this is a good book about, about setting up processes, but it's important to have those processes in a place that they're being used because you got to tweak them. Yeah. Right? There's a reason to use them. And there's and, and I think as solopreneurs or whatever, you know, if we're doing things on our own and have a small team, we don't feel like that's so much necessary because it's all here, but yeah. this is fallible, right? Like, we don't, sure. we can't. We can't keep track of everything. So I wanted to build out Flip Pilot to not only be strong with the follow-up and help me with that, but also to have a way to visually see my workflow and have my processes built into it. So I'm actually using them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, smart. So- All right, guys. Sorry for the interruption, but I just want to really quick remind you that Flip Hacking Live this year is on October 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's going to be packed full of amazing real estate investors just dishing, telling you everything that they're doing in their market to be successful, to be profitable, to scale, just all of their secrets and and tactics and tricks that they're doing to be successful in their market. And because this is a virtual event, now we're going to bring this to you live in your home. You don't have to travel. All of the worries about traveling and COVID and are people going to be wearing masks? Are they going to try to shake my hand? Like, How far are we going to sit apart? All of those fears, if you had them, are gone because we're going to bring it right to your house. So the fact that it's a virtual event, in my opinion, probably means we're going to be able to make this even better. I'm going to be speaking at the event. It's going to be amazing. We're going to send out swag boxes. You're going to get free stuff. It's just going to be awesome. And right now, the tickets are so cheap. They're only $2.97. That price is going to go up. And that's exactly why I'm interrupting this right now to tell you the price is going up soon. Go grab your tickets now. You can go to www.best realestateevent.com. That's a new URL. It's a little easier to remember, and I thought that would be helpful. So go to bestrealestateevent.com. If you go and get your tickets before the end of August, send me proof that you bought them before the end of August. I will enter you in a drawing for me to pay for your ticket. So this thing could even be free. It's a no-brainer, guys. The cost of the ticket is insanely low. It's not going to stay this low. Go grab it now or you will regret it because this is going to be an event like no other. So go grab your ticket. Go to bestrealestateevent.com and I hope to see you there. All right, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, you mentioned, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned, you know, when people, you know, they're not ready to, to sell maybe right now, but they called you. They were interested enough to call you and... For those of you out there who are just starting out and maybe you're getting some calls and you're like, oh, they called and they don't want me to come out. Like this is kind of a bad lead. When people, when you send out a postcard or a letter or whatever it is, and someone takes the time to pick up the phone and call and find out, that's a huge indicator that they're likely going to be ready at some point if they're not ready right now. Like think about it. How many pieces of mail do you get that you just throw away? You know, how often do you take something that was unsolicited and where they're asking you something like selling your house, which is a huge decision, and you actually save that piece of mail, go back to it, or maybe right then and there, pick up the phone and call someone who you don't know to find out about something you don't understand. Like there's a lot of barriers that people have to go through to actually get to the point of calling you. And if they do that and then you just throw that away, like that, they raised their hand and said, I am someone who you should be paying attention to now and going forward. And to have that saved and then the process for following up and like that's 
that's more important than I think new investors even understand because they're just so they're so focused on getting a deal right now. You know, they need to they need to get that deal right now. And it's it's a real transactional mindset. Whereas you were talking about you have this long term plan, like it, your business should be a long term plan, not how many deals can I get this week? And I don't care about anything else. Right. It's like you're planting seeds. So mm-hmm. no, absolutely. And and I don't think it's just the new investors either. Like how many experienced investors? Oh, my gosh, I know. You know, I, I myself for, for years and years was not yeah. treating that the way I should have been. And yeah, and I didn't even realize like how I was shooting myself in the foot, no. you know? And so, yeah, so that realization and, and, and having it built out that way. But to, to speak about the processes and maybe make that a little bit clearer in people's minds, because it is a little bit of an abstraction, I think. I was just talking with Sharon Vonholt, not that long ago, a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was talking about some of the things that she does for follow-up. And so if she makes an offer on a property, she'll then send them a thank you, a handwritten thank you note afterwards, right? Yeah. And then she also has a thing where she'll, I think it's called um, Bonjoro or something like that, where you can make these video emails. Yeah. And then she'll she'll do something like that. And I'm thinking, man, like how personal is that, right? And you don't do that if it's transactional because you're like, I've got, the, I can't keep up with that. The volume, it's not, yeah, I can't keep up with it. Yep. But, it but if you're looking at it more of nurturing and knowing that, just doing the extra little step puts you head and shoulders above your competition. Yep. Yeah, it just it blows me away. You know, all of us have competition, right, in, in our markets. Yeah. Right? And the feeling a lot of times that I have is like, oh, there's so much competition. Like, how can I even buy properties at the 1960s prices that I try to buy them at? <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, you, you, you have that doubt. But, but even just yesterday, my customer experience manager for, for the software was telling me like in California, he had called some investors to see about selling his house when he was moving Yeah, to see how quick and easy it was. And, you know, he said it was amazing. A lot of them didn't pick up their phones and then he had, they had some that would set an appointment. And then an hour after the appointment, they would call and say, Hey, can we reschedule? And it's like, oh. you didn't show up. You didn't call. You know, this is what people are doing. Like, yeah. This is what the competition is doing. Yep. And so imagine you are the one that shows up when you say you're going to, you pick up your phone and they call you, but you, then you also send them a handwritten thank you note, thanking them for the opportunity to make an offer on their house. Yep. When the time is right, like you spoke to earlier, who are they going to think of, right? Yeah. Like that's just, totally. it's a no brainer. Sharon actually is really, I, I spoke to her yesterday. She really is good at some of those personal touch differentiators and things, you know, speaking of handwritten notes, somebody, a mutual friend of ours, actually, Bill, um, wrote me a handwritten note a year ago. And when I got it, I was like, wow, like, I don't get handwritten notes from friends very often, like never. Um, And I was cleaning out my office uh, last week. And I came across the note. And I'm I'm sitting there like next to a garbage can, because I'm trying to do like clean out my office, right? You can't keep everything when you clean your office. So I have a decision to make. I'm sitting there and I'm like throwing different things away and, you know, putting other things away. And I come across this handwritten note and I'm like, I can't throw it away. Like I, it, it, it's very rare that someone takes the time to say really nice things in a handwritten note. And I kept it right. And I'm not, I'm not overly sentimental, but it's, it just goes to show how powerful and impactful those kind of things can be. And if you're doing that to someone, by the way, he's my friend. If you yeah. do this to someone who you just spoke to on the phone and had a conversation, you say, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really value your time and I'd love to help you in the future. Like 
unsolicited mm-hmm. notes from someone who doesn't even know you like that's pretty huge so i think it's a good idea it's smart smart mm-hmm. stuff and it, little things like that that people don't think about and you're right who will you think of the guy who called you an hour after the appointment and said can we reschedule with no apology or the person who wrote you a note or gave you a, an email with a video that said thank you i mean it's just smart business all the way around yeah he's treating people like people i mean that's yeah. a huge huge part of this yeah, who doesn't want to be seen and heard and then shown and not just said, you know, paying lip service to I'm seeing you, I'm hearing you. You know, you're, you're actually showing that that like you really do care about their situation and, and all that kind of stuff. And that just, you know, goes a long way. And then, you know, that's how referrals happen. Yep. Uh, yeah. And you referral, know? by the way, another thing that in our business that people overlook a little bit and they don't think about it yeah. is referrals. Yeah. yeah. And, and the only way to do that is make it such a wow experience that <laughs> they can't help but tell their friends about it. Totally. So, yeah. And so, but getting into where that's useful, you know, how long before you stop doing that though? How long before you're not, you know, seeing direct results from it right away mm-hmm. that you just, cause you're getting more leads and you're doing so and you just find that you're just not able to do it. So, you know, you start to scale and this is where your book comes into play, but, but also at the same time, having those processes to make sure that you are doing it and anybody that you hire does it too, because we can be busy and we can forget those steps saying, well, I just want to train them in just doing these things and, you know, maybe I'll tell them that and then hope they do it and yeah. find out that's not being done. Yeah. And so, you know, setting those pieces up, you know, in the software. So when it's in that part of my workflow in the, in the pipeline, you know, I have the checklist telling me all these things that I want to make sure is done, you know, so I cannot yeah. move that further through the pipeline until those things are done. So it's always being done and I know it's being done. Yeah. And it's just a way of like, yeah, you know, knowing like it's that positive feedback thing and, and, you know, who was it? Seth Williams. I don't, I don't know. I think you probably know Seth. Seth. Yeah. Are you yep. tipster? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great, great guy. And, uh, you know, he was talking to me about like setting habits. It's like, you know, most of us have trouble changing because it's a new habit that we've got to set and we're so set in our old ways. It's really hard to do that. And yeah. so there were different rules and now I wish I hadn't brought it up because I don't know these <laughs> different things that make it like a beneficial thing, but it's gotta be like, you know, you have to know that you're doing it or something. It's got to be fun. It's got to be rewarding. Yeah. And, you know, so I think like having a system like this, we built it to kind of give you that feedback and it feels rewarding and it feels like you're, you know, like I'm checking those things off and I'm moving it down the pipeline. It's a yeah. visual graphic thing instead of a list of, of property addresses that have no sort of, you know, it's just like this list to me. It's, it's yeah. transactions in a list you know, versus like this fun sort of drag and drop whiteboard thing. Nice. I like it. That's smart. I, I literally use white, whiteboard as how I do everything in my world. I've, I've gone kind of low tech in that way. Um, to do's and things like that are always on my whiteboard. I, I want to talk about this because I, I think it would be a disservice to people listening. Uh, we've talked about flip pilot and I think you've done a good job of articulating some of the, the reasons why you, you made what you made and the, the way the software is the way it is. Um, but you're, you said yourself, you're kind of a new investor again. You're, you're sort of starting over with a fresh mind and you know it's kind of a cliche question to ask an experienced investor like if you could start over again what would you do but this is like literally happening right now in front of me right i have an experienced investor someone who's had a lot of success kind of starting again as and and looking at himself as a new a new investor so how how is that process going how are you restarting your business what steps are you taking what approach are you taking how do you view your uh this this journey that you're starting to kind of rebuild to whatever level like you said you're not looking for a 10 person team in this super wild scaled up but what does it look like for a person who knows what they're doing you know getting back into the game 
Well, this is why I like like reading your book so much because it kind of speaks to the same thing of how I'm looking at it and what what you know starting over. This is what I'm focused on. Even though it's just me and I don't plan on hiring a bunch of people, I'm going to hire some people. Like I said, I'm still treating it as that sort of business. Like I'm still like that's the big difference. That's the huge difference this time. That's how it's operating. Is I'm looking at numbers. Like even with a trickle of leads starting to come in, like I'm looking at my numbers. Yeah. Because that's you know that's where I'm, I know, you know where improvement is needed, and so I don't have to kill myself in generating 495 leads to do 11 deals. Yeah. I'd much rather get 50 something leads and do 11 deals and be happy for the year, knowing that you know in order to to generate the 500 versus the 50, that, that's a lot more work, a yeah. lot more money, a lot more stress, and um, and so it's it's being handled that way. The other difference. And, and I'm following traction. You know, I don't know if you speak about that on your yeah, podcast I have, often, yeah. but Andy had originally told me about that. Yep. Um, the EOS operating system. And we, yep. we use that in our software business. And so I'm using that also in the flipping business. And it, it's, it's knowing what KPIs to measure because what is not measured cannot be managed. Yep. Right. And, and, uh, and so that's how I'm operating it. But, but, you know, as far as the, the practical part of like how it's looking and how it's operating is, I'm, I'm looking at long-term stuff now more than, you know, fix and, and retail. Yeah. So having rental properties and doing owner financing and doing things like that. So I have a different um, set of parameters and what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some, some lower end properties that cost less, but, but rent for a pretty decent amount. Yep. And, and so my marketing is, is being guided a little bit by that, you know, rather than getting leads everywhere. Yeah. I'm kind of getting down into different parts of town and, and doing sort of that, that like, uh, you know, the realtor aspect of farming, right? A farm area, I think is what they call it. Okay, yeah. And doing things that way. So so a lot of driving for dollars. Is it more of an and, every house approach when it comes to like the marketing side of it? Because you know where you want to be? Or are you still like targeting, you know, people on lists, criteria, equity and things like that? Because when you say like a realtor's approach, I, I think a lot of times realtors will do more of an every door kind of an approach as opposed to a real targeted kind of an approach. Yeah, no, more more real targeted. So it's okay. it's not every yeah, not every every door, but like driving for dollars. So picking the ones that look vacant or mm-hmm. like they should be vacant. Yep. And you know, and then targeting mail in in the certain areas where those those numbers are. Yep. But but still, you gotta have equity, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. want to waste a lot of time for houses that don't have equity. Right. Yeah, just just doing it that way, and and uh, you know, I'm still early in this, so it's it's doing those and measuring numbers, and then adjusting. Yeah. Nice. I like that. It's kind of cool to hear, you know, someone who's done it kind of ramped up, gotten a little bit away because you're the software side of it and now getting back how you look at it. You know, it's it's interesting because it's not like, oh, I'm just going to start flipping houses and build this team like you've you've, you know, like an like a, a computer with AI. You've you've seen all of it. You've analyzed the data. You've looked at your past. You've looked at how things worked and what you liked and what you didn't like and what's important to you now. And you're having a more, um, you know, not targeted, but you're having a more thoughtful approach to how you're going about rebuilding what you do and knowing what you want. So that's huge. And I, I'll say this because I think it applies um, a little bit to you. We've had this conversation and you've mentioned it. You know, people sometimes get into this and they see someone who has a business where they're doing 100 deals and they go, that's what I want. And they and it looks really cool. But then they realize at some point, that it isn't necessarily what they want. Like they would rather have a business where they do 10 deals and they're good deals and they're profitable deals. And that's just kind of like that makes them happy to be at that level. Because when you start doing a hundred deals, 
you must have a team. <laughs> I don't know people who do 100 deals with nobody on their team, right? It's just too much going on. So you do you, the 100 deals sounds sexy and it sounds awesome and like you look at the money, but then you don't realize all of the things that have to happen to get you there. And it's not for everybody and it shouldn't be for everybody. It's not a one size fits all kind of a thing. So I think knowing yourself, knowing what you want, knowing what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do, I, th I think that's that's the smart approach. And I like that you have that approach. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, thank you. And, you know, the way I'm looking at it too now is is more of a, you know, sort of profit approach, right? So a lot of us, I think, have arbitrary numbers we choose, the mm -hmm. number of deals that we want to do. And it's not even so much the number of deals, right? It's more of the profit that you want to make. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of it's arbitrary or it's listening to what other people are doing and, and kind of like picking something from there. But, you know, and, and it, it could feel like we haven't succeeded until we've got, I mean, we'll feel a little bit of success, but we'll feel, I felt, I'll speak for myself. I felt like I didn't succeed yet until I'd hit that point. Right. Yeah. Because there's always a point where you're doing this many, but somebody's doing more and you say, well, I should be doing that. many. So it yeah. never feels like you've made it. Right. And that sucks. Yeah. That just freaking sucks. Like, you know, enjoy this business every day of it, Yep. you know, and, and that's the, that's where you find the joy. It's not getting to that point and then saying, now I'm just joyful like every day because I made it to that point. That's crap. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Enjoy every part. So how do you do that? And I think what helps in the way I'm looking at it now is, is how much money do you need to live a comfortable life right now? Like right. not a crazy life just for now. Like what is, what are you making at your job? you know, can you survive off of that? Okay. Well, let me just make a goal to, to build up revenue in the flipping company or, you know, real estate investing company to kind of match that and make that my goal. How many deals do I now need to do to match that? And I'm guaranteeing it's a lot less than yeah, you think. Yeah. Surprisingly few. You know, so now it's not like, let me do five, 10 deals. It's like, let me do two deals, you know? And then, yep. You know, and then you just get fired up and get to enjoy it because you're not like reaching for the stars from the get go. Yeah. And then you're also like having this more valid point. Okay. Well, I've done that now and I'm consistent. I can let go of the job, you yeah. know, and that excitement build. So looking, and that's why I'm doing the long-term stuff. I looked at, you know, what, what kind of, you know, was made over the years doing the flipping. That's great money and everything, you know, but there's so much more value or, or to me, there's so much more to be made long-term. Yeah. You know, if, if it's done right, if they're yeah. plot low enough. That's smart and thoughtful, and I like it. Danny, listen, this has been great. I've got to spend a lot of time with you today, and it's been a lot, a lot of fun. Um, let's talk about how can people get a hold of you if they are interested in Flip Pilot? Is that something that they can come after you right now and say, I want to I take a look at this? Is it is it available to everybody? Let's kind of talk about what you have going on that you want people to know about. Yeah, absolutely. So we just launched, and a big thing that we did was, like I said, having it being like I'm starting again, I understand that newer people... Uh, newer investors might not have the monthly spend to get the paid version. So we created a free version. It's not just a free trial. It doesn't end at some certain point. It's a free version, right? So there's no excuse not to get this right. the software, you know, and to, to be able to have a way to set up your business and, and have the workflow, set up those processes in each status and, and be able to do follow-up, right? They won't do the automated follow-up for you for, in the free version, but it'll allow you to do the manual where it will remind you, so it keeps track of it and then tells you when you need to do certain things. Nice. Um, but otherwise, it's it's a full-fledged software that you can use. And so we created that free account. And there's there's really no strings attached. And uh, so you can get that if you go to flippilot.com. We've just launched. And it's been in beta for like half a year. So it's been tested really well. 
Um, and we've got dozens of teams across country paying for the paid version. And we just opened the door to all the free uh, version. So if you want to learn more about how that actually works and actually see it before you, you get it, you can, because I just did this demo, a Zoom demo on it, and showing how I'm setting up my own personal REI machine through the software to do all the things I talked about in this episode. You can go to flippilot.com slash demo, D-E-M-O, flippilot.com slash demo. Cool. I, I will put that in the show notes too. So if you're driving, don't don't try to write while you're driving. It'll be in the show notes. Just go to Just Start Real Estate um, and you'll see it right there. Danny, and then uh, you mentioned casually. I mean, I just wrote a book. I know what in the world goes into that. And you, you wrote a book called Flipping Houses Exposed. Can they get that on Amazon or how do they, how can people get a hold of that? Because like, that's, that, that's a big deal. I know you did it a long time ago. I get it. Yeah. Um, but my goodness, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> Like, can they, can people still get that? Is it, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's on, it's flipping houses exposed 34 weeks in the life of a successful real estate investor. Just type in flipping houses exposed. That'll yeah, find it exactly. on, on Amazon. Okay. You can, you can get it there, the, the print version or the Kindle. And then on my, on the blog, flippingjunkie.com, you can get the PDF for free. Cool. And I, I, I mentioned Lee Propeller early on. I, I don't know if that's sort of like just running and it's kind of taking care of itself now, but I still use it. So if people are interested in that, um, definitely go check it out, leadpropeller.com and uh, grab that. It's it's the it's the website software that we use to, to house our website. So it's fantastic. It's been around for a long time. It's obviously tried and true and it works. It works great. So Danny, listen, man, thanks for being on. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. It was awesome catching up with you. You're one of the good ones and one of the people that I like uh, keeping tabs on and staying close to because you're a smart guy who um, is thoughtful about their business. And I, I just like being around good people like that who are doing good stuff. So thanks again for doing this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I really like Danny. He's a good guy. Uh, I've known him for a long time. He's a really smart investor and he's created some fantastic products for our industry. And for that, I am grateful because I am a consumer of uh, some of his products and I think that they're great. And I know he knows his stuff. And, you know, listen, he was real vulnerable with us too. He talked about his divorce and listen, we all go through things and, and he's gone through some stuff. And I know some of you listening have gone through some things. So it's just, I think, refreshing to sometimes talk about the challenges that life throws at you because we all deal with it. So uh, Danny was cool enough to be transparent and just real vulnerable and, and talk about that stuff. And I think that's helpful. It helps us kind of feel like he's, you know, he's one of us. He's a normal guy, uh, but he's also super successful. And um, so I, I really love having those folks on the show, those kind of people. And uh, that's who I want to surround myself with. That's who I want to surround you guys with in terms of being on this podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I got a lot out of it. I always learn stuff when I talk to Danny. He's a, just a a smart guy who does things right. So um, that's the kind of episode I love. So till next time, guys, get out there and just start. Make today the first day. Go for it.